0: Hey, Rarecast listeners. Join us for Global Genes Live, a rare patient advocacy unsummit, September 14th to the 25th. This two week virtual event will feature a variety of interactive and educational events, meetups, workshops, and performances. Whether you're a rare disease veteran or new to the community, we invite you to connect and engage with us and others through interactive activities. To learn more, visit GlobalGenes.org forward slash live. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Pharmaceuticals has been a pioneer of antisense therapies, which target RNA to either disrupt production of a disease causing protein or upregulate needed proteins in people who are deficient. The company is in late stage development of a promising therapy to treat Huntington's disease, a rare and fatal neurodegenerative condition. But the company is also working on advancing a new generation of antisense therapies to improve the safety and efficacy of these treatments we spoke to Eric Swayze, Senior Vice President of Research for IONIS, about its experimental Huntington's Disease Therapy, its efforts to treat the condition, and what the next generation of antisense therapies will look like. Eric, thanks for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, we're going to talk about antisense technology, your late-stage Huntington's disease drug, and what the next generation of these therapies may look like. But let's start with Huntington's disease. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is it?
1: Well, Huntington's disease is a reasonably rare neurodegenerative disease, uh, which predominantly affects the brain. And what it does is it basically kills off a patient's brain cells. It's a pretty debilitating and devastating disease, especially for the caregivers of patients and and their families, and it's ultimately fatal. It's also a genetic disease, which is caused by mutations in a particular gene called Huntington, or the HTT gene. And this gene is dominantly inherited, meaning you only need one copy of the diseased or mutant gene to eventually become a Huntington disease patient. And this means that if you have a parent with the mutant gene, you have a 50% chance you'll eventually get Huntington's disease.
0: And how does it manifest itself?
1: Um, Well, it begins most commonly in the prime of life with chorea, which is kind of what the disease is known for, Huntington's chorea. These are motor symptoms and kind of jerking movements. However, probably the most devastating consequences for patients and their families is the psychiatric and cognitive decline symptoms where uh, Patients basically lose the essence of who they were, and the disease is just ruthlessly progressive and gives continuous loss of function and, as I said, is ultimately fatal.
0: How is it treated today?
1: Well, there's no disease-modifying treatments. There's a few drugs that are available that help with some symptoms in some cases, but they're not disease-modifying, so they don't stop the relentless progression. Um, and mostly just help the patients and families cope with their symptoms and, and manage the psychiatric and mental stress of living with HD.
0: How are people generally diagnosed today?
1: Uh, they'll start to experience uh, either motor symptoms or some cognitive symptoms, go to a neurologist or eventually get referred to a neurologist, and the neurologist will put them through a, a battery of tests and clinically diagnose the disease, and then ultimately there's a genetic diagnosis. Since the disease runs in families, and this is a great conundrum for patients and their families, a lot of them see their relatives, their mother, their grandfather, their uncle succumb to the disease, learn what it is, and then understand that it runs in families and it's a genetic disease. And so they end up getting tested pre-symptomatically so they know they're going to inherit the disease. And that's a big decision lots of Huntington's patients and, and their families have to make is whether or not to get tested
0: given that there's no disease modifying therapy what's the general prognosis for for someone once they're diagnosed
1: yeah well it's it's not good it's it's a relentlessly progressive disease Uh, patients first develop motor symptoms and then they start to develop cognitive and other symptoms and ultimately it's it's fatal and there's nothing that can be done about
0: it so how long does that usually take from diagnosis to to death
1: uh, it's, it's a reasonably slowly progressing disease. So it's several years uh, of progression. Some patients uh, can do uh, much better and live for longer. Uh, some patients succumb quicker. So it's, it's a, a couple years to measure progression. I think about it in terms of our clinical trials. So we have a two-year clinical trial to measure the progression of the disease in a meaningful way.
0: Ionis has developed an experimental therapy, which you're now working with Roast Genentech to, to bring to market. This is to Minerson. What, what
1: is that? So t- Tom has the potential to be the, the first disease modifying treatment for Huntington's disease. And, and that's because this drug uh, was designed to turn down, if you will, the levels of the mutant Huntington gene. And that makes means, means the patient makes less of the disease causing mutant protein from the gene than they otherwise would. And there's lots of evidence that this will help the disease that is as it's believed that the disease is due to toxicity from this mutant Huntington protein.
0: How exactly does it work? What What is it doing?
1: Well, so as I said, it's designed to directly target the Huntington gene products, and maybe it would help to understand a little bit how genes work. So genes are composed of a molecule called DNA, which makes a molecule called RNA, and it's a very similar chemical structure. The RNA then does Several things, but one of which is to code for instructions to make proteins, which are the molecules that do most of the work in in our cells to keep us thinking, walking, and, and talking about podcasts. Um, Tom anderson is a short little piece of DNA, and it has some chemical modifications in it that stabilize it so it's not broken down by the body and help it distribute to where it needs to get in the in the body of animals and and, and human animals to, to do its job, and it has a little it's like a little piece of DNA which uses the genetic code to be able to bind specifically to the Huntington derived mRNA and once it binds to the mRNA it uh, promotes its degradation and without the RNA which is designed to make protein less of the Huntington mutant protein is made and so in doing that it, it basically turns off production of the bad protein which is known to be pathogenic in the disease.
0: Given that this is a neurological condition, is there any issue getting it across the blood-brain barrier? Does that affect how it's delivered?
1: Yeah, there's a big issue getting this class of molecules across the blood-brain barrier, and so we deliver the molecule directly into the cerebrospinal fluid, which is a fluid that bathes the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord, via... A process called intrathecal injection. Uh, so if anyone's ever had a lumbar puncture or a spinal tap, as they call it, it's a very similar procedure where the drug's injected directly into the central nervous system or the, the brain compartment.
0: I imagine the, that this requires repeat dosing. So would you just leave a port in a patient? or
1: uh, No, we don't do that, actually. Uh, we've given the, the least frequency of administration has been monthly. And so our drugs, Tom and Erson, has a pretty long half-life. And so in the current uh, phase three trial that we're doing, the drug is given every two months or every four months dosing. And uh, we actually were a little nervous about giving monthly lumbar punctures and whether patients would sign up for that. But it was it was a, an amazing trial. The Huntington patient community has been terrific in wanting to take our drug and the lumbar puncture procedure has been pretty well tolerated.
0: What do you know about the drug from studies to date?
1: Well, as I said, we've run a a phase one, two trial. So that's a trial to ascertain safety. And so what we know from these early studies is that the drug can be given safely to Huntington disease patients. And we know that it can lower mutant Huntington protein in the CSF, the cerebrospinal fluid of these patients. And, And that's crucially important because that gives us pretty high confidence that we're doing what we set out to do, which is lower mutant Huntington throughout the brain, because we believe from our experiments in animals that we understand how much we lower it in the brain when we measure it in the CSF. So we have a pretty good idea that the drug is safe and that the drug works to do what it's intended to do, which is turn down the expression of the mutant Huntington gene.
0: If all goes well, when might you be in a position to file for approval?
1: Well, right now, the drug is in a phase three clinical trial uh, with our partner, Roche, and this is what we call the prove it stage of clinical drug development. Um, this trial was just recently completed enrollment, and but since Huntington takes a while to progress, the patients in this trial will be treated for two years. So we'll have data from this trial uh, sometime in 2022. In the meantime, we have some other trials ongoing that are extensions of the early work, which might give us some more information uh, next year, but they aren't the key prove it experiment like the phase three trial that's ongoing.
0: There are many companies that develop platform technologies for discovery and development of therapies and start with a, a business plan to enter into partnerships and have partners fund development and take over the late stage development and, commercialization. Uh, What I've seen through my many years following this industry is those models almost invariably fail for one reason or another. Ionis is one of the few companies I can think of that's actually been successful at executing this model. Why do you think that is?
1: Well I think much of it I attribute to, to the, the vision and, and tenacity of, of Stan Crook who was our founder and CEO for 30 years. Uh, he deeply believed in Ansense technology and led us to stick with it through many ups and that was hard and also many downs uh, and that was way harder. Uh, he believed the technology had tons of potential and that to exploit it very broadly it was more than one company could handle from a commercial development perspective. And so the strategy there was to partner the medicines so we could make more medicines available for more patients. And we did that via partnering strategy. And I think that's one uh, outcome of having a technology platform that's as productive as, as Anasense can okay. be.
0: What have you learned through that experience in terms of working with partners and, and keeping them focused and, and making these types of collaborations successful?
1: Well, it, it, it helps to have a partner for your drug where the drug fits well into the par- partner's portfolio. Uh, if they don't have good overlap with the drug, then they can end up slowing things down. But, but I think the real key is that partners stay focused and committed when the drugs perform. And you know, most everyone in the pharmaceutical industry wants to make medicines that bring value to patients and ultimately their shareholders. And if the drug looks like it can do that, then the partners are usually as committed as we are.
0: Ionis is working on a, a next-generation antisense technology. I'm thinking here of the ligand-conjugated antisense, or Leica. How does that work?
1: Well, it's working great to date. Um, our, our first version of this, which targets drug to deliver, is improving potency about 30-fold in humans. And this is great for patients because it reduces the dose, which makes the side effects better, makes our drugs safer and more convenient. And it it improves this potency by directing the drug directly to the cells and the tissue types that we want to target. For the liver, it's a little cluster of sugar analogs that are stuck to the end of an antisense molecule. And this little cluster has a very high binding affinity for the surface of hepatocytes in the liver. This results in more drug being specifically delivered to the right liver cell. And, and we end up with the drug being delivered to where we want it and, and not where we don't. And this improves potency. When I
0: read about this technology, I, I couldn't help but think of antibody drug conjugates. Uh, and in that case, the I think the real challenge from a, a drug discovery and development point of view is getting the, the linker right and getting the linker to work. How much of an issue is that? in terms of the ligand antisense conjugates?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a, I would say it's been a small issue, but uh, one thing is is that chemical synthesis technology has improved a ton over the last uh, bit. Uh, The antibody drug conjugate people have have actually helped us a fair bit. Um, 20 years ago, I couldn't have imagined that we can do the things we can do now with chemical synthesis methods to attach things to oligonucleotides. We've got a great chemistry group that can figure out the best way to do this and pretty good handle on how to link anything we want to an antisense molecule and keep it stable where we want it to be stable and have it released where we want it to be released.
0: And is the effect that you're getting better targeting? Does this offer you to go after targets you couldn't go after previously, or is this just more a matter of more precise delivery and lowering doses?
1: Yeah, I actually think it's all of those things, and I I really think it will be transformative. Um, We're getting huge increases in potency, and the difference there is that you can give an effective dose to a patient very infrequently in a low volume, maybe via an auto-injector device, We've also been able to use this technology to access tissues that we've never been able to access before. For example, we've been able to target the beta cells of the pancreas, which has implications for targeting diabetes, where we could never get anti-sense drugs there before. Um, So it both increases the ability of us to make drugs for places where we can, like a lipid franchise for the liver, but also gets us to places where we couldn't effectively make therapies before.
0: Are there specific applications you would expect to use Lyca for, or does this overtake the pipeline and every antisense going forward will be designed as a Lyca antisense?
1: Well, I think eventually some form of Lyca will be the future for all antisense drugs and, and also for many other genetic classes of medicines. Uh, a major issue for this class has been how do we get these drugs to the right place in the human body? Our version of antisense goes to many places without Leica, but Leica will make it better. And that's why we're investing very broadly in Leica and trying to find effective Leica strategies for every place we want to send an antisense drug to do its job.
0: Are there other improvements you're hoping to make that you're working on now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're continuously striving to improve the performance of our antisense platform. And we do this continuously by looking at every part of our molecules and trying to figure out how that part could perform better. Uh, For example, right now we're working hard to change the distribution of antisense drugs within a cell. And we know that most of the drug inside of a cell is wasted as it's trapped in a place where it's not available to go find its target RNA and bind to it. And we know that if we change the chemical composition of the molecule, we can subtly change its distribution. And In doing this, we hope to increase potency. And that's one, just one example, but it would dramatically increase our opportunities. We're also working on other mechanisms. We talked about timinacin, which turns down toxic proteins, but some diseases need more of a certain protein, and we're, we're working on ways t- to do that as well.
0: Is there any antisense today that upregulates a, a protein?
1: Uh, Well, Spinraza would be an example of of a drug that does that. And so Spinraza is currently the standard of care for spinal muscular atrophy, uh, commercialized by our partner Biogen. That uh, modulates the splicing of an mRNA to create a functional gene where there was no functional gene before. So in a sense, it does turn up uh, and create the expression of a protein which is deficient in a disease. But doing that with anti-sense technology has generally been harder than turning down the expression of a gene. And we're looking for ways to improve the the technology broadly and look for other strategies to upregulate all the time.
0: And what might be some examples of diseases where that would have utility?
1: Um, Well, there's... There's a bunch of different targets. For example, in Parkinson's disease, where there's mutations in uh, Parkinson's-related genes, where you'd like to upregulate them. There's uh, rare genetic diseases, such as uh, fragile X syndrome, for example, where you you would like to upregulate a target. Um, there's lots of there's lots of genetic diseases where that would be useful.
0: As you think about the improvements and the expanding targets for. Antisect technology. How, how do you see this changing as a as a therapeutic modality as you go forward?
1: Well, I just think we just continue to exploit it. Um, there's tremendous uh, unmet medical need out there, especially in the rare disease space, and there's tremendous understanding of the genetics of human disease and uh, making giving us a better and better understanding of the actual drivers of disease. And AniSense technology is great for exploiting that because we have precision genetic tools that can go in and modify gene function. So as we learn more and more about the genetic drivers of disease, we can use AniSense to capitalize on that and and make highly precise medicines that do exactly what we want.
0: Eric Swayze, Senior Vice President of Research for Ionis Pharmaceuticals. Eric, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you.